hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Investors remain complacent, even after last week when the market fell nearly 5%. The way I see it, they're struggling with two major issues at the moment. One is the China-U.S. trade relations, and two, the flattening of the yield curve. The first one, the U.S.-China trade negotiations, are probably going to be with us for a while. Coming out of the big G20 meeting about a week and a half ago, things seemed promising for all of about a minute until the market realized we really didn't have anything concrete to build on. With such a complicated issue, it seems unlikely that this gets resolved quickly. The good news is, is that China needs us. They need access to our markets. The second one, the flattening of the yield curve. That's basically when long-term interest rates are lower than short-term interest rates. When that happens, they say the yield curve is inverted. When you think about it, common sense would tell you long-term rates should always be higher than short-term rates unless something is wrong. For example, and I'll embellish a little bit to make my point, if you're out shopping for a CD, you would expect to earn more on a 10-year CD than on a one-year CD because you're locking your money up for a longer period and presumably taking on more risk. Thus, when long-term rates are lower than short-term rates, something is wrong. An inverted yield curve can be a predictor of a recession. We're close, but we aren't there yet. But that's what's concerning the market. Are we going into a recession? I don't see it, but I also don't hang my hat on a macro big picture forecast. But I don't see an economic downturn. We're continuing to see an economic expansion, albeit at a lower pace. Wages and productivity are up, unemployment are at record lows, and business and governments are increasing their spending. I think that investors are going to continue to struggle with this thought of slower growth, trade concerns, and monetary policy. Does the Fed keep raising rates and choke off what growth we have? Thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could tune in today. Many of you listen to us through an app on your phone or another device using iTunes, SoundCloud, Downcast, what have you. But don't forget, visit our website. It's xmlfg.com. Once again, it's xmlfg.com. And that's where you can learn more about us and what we do for our clients. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. So we come into this week all beaten up. Like I said, the markets were down almost 5% last week. You might expect some sort of bounce. A question or the question is, is that bounce sustainable? And I've been talking about looking under the hood for a while now. And when I look under the hood of the market, I'm still not enamored with what I see. At the beginning of this year, volatility increased. 
especially when you compare it to 2017, when there was virtually no volatility. 2017, it was all candy canes and silver lanes, as Michael Buble would say. Maybe I've been listening to too much holiday music lately, but anyhow, volatility has increased dramatically over the course of the year, as is evidenced by last week's thousand point move by the Dow Industrials and the 8% drop by the Dow Transports. My guess is this volatility isn't going away anytime soon, so you better buckle up. The market is plagued by the, the strong, persistent downside momentum. Last week, we saw another session where the downside volume out overwhelmed the upside volume by 13 to 1. That's right, 13 to 1 on the downside. A technician, you know, one of those folks who predict the future by looking at the squiggly lines on the chart, a technician would tell you that you need to see this downside momentum broken. For that to happen, you'll need to see at least, at least one, if not two days where the upside volume exceeds the downside volume by more than 10 to 1. That's right, 10 to 1 on the upside. Investors are complacent, most likely too complacent. At important bottoms, you usually see that complacency turn into excessive pessimism. But instead of trying to divine the markets, my advice is and always has been to focus on the fundamentals. Make this volatility your friend. Why not? You never have too many friends. If you're truly investing for the long term, and to me, that means more than five years, but if you're investing for the long term, and I think that's most of you out there, this increase in volatility is presenting you with opportunities. And I'll give you a few of those today. The obvious one is Berkshire Hathaway symbol BRKB. We buy the B shares. And I know my partner Rob says I talk about Berkshire way too much. And you know what? He's most likely right, but I've become impervious to his glare because around $200, Berkshire is trading at about 1.3 times next year's book value. That's according to value line. And that's where Warren Buffett says he'd be a buyer of the stock. In my humble opinion, under $200, I think the stock has twice as much upside as compared to the downside. In my book, that's pretty darn near a table pounder. Let's balance this out with a more speculative endeavor. Booking Holdings, symbol BKNG, and it trades around, oh, a thousand or eighteen seventy-five. That's one thousand eight hundred and seventy-five dollars. Those are Amazon type numbers. I talked about this one a few weeks ago. Now, this is for the speculative growth part of your portfolio if you're so inclined. It's probably not for the more conservative among you. Only you can determine that. You'll have to do your own research. They operate primary or six primary brands, booking.com, priceline.com, kayak, agoda, uh, rentalcars.com, and open table, which I used myself yesterday. The thesis is pretty simple. P 
people are spending more on travel and and experiences. And it doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon. So when people want to go somewhere, what do they do? They go online. And for owners of the stock like myself, hopefully they use one of Booking's brands. I think there are two main competitors here, Booking.com and Expedia. And I like the business model at Booking better. I covered it a couple of weeks ago, so I won't do it again today. With Booking, BKNG, they don't generate a ton of free cash flow. Some, but not a ton, or by my definition, a ton. But with that cash flow that they have, they've been buying back stock and reducing their debt. Most of the money that they make is being pumped back into the business so that they can continue to grow scale. And that's what you would expect with a company like this. The money that they pump back into the business is generating high rates of return. The return on shareholder equity hasn't gone below 30% for 15 years now. And what may surprise some of you is their balance sheet. You know what? It's pretty darn good. Now let's get to the nitty gritty of it and look at valuation. Earnings has have grown at about 24% a year for the last five years on average. And that's a slowdown from the 42% a year on average over the last 10 years. And since 2010, the stock has traded on average at about 20 times earnings. But let's face it, it's been a pretty darn good ride over the last nine years and people were willing to pay up more for growth. And this may not be the case over the next five years. So you want to be careful. Right now, the average analyst estimate for earnings next year is just over $100 per share. And next, next year is just a few weeks away. I don't think you want to pay much more than $1,800 because I don't want to overpay for that perceived growth. Let's step away, take a short break, and maybe I'll use this time to book a trip to the next Berkshire annual meeting, and I'll use booking.com to do it. When we come back, let's talk about four things from a planning perspective to think about as we head towards the end of the year. This is Eric Whiteman on Common Sense Investing, and we'll be back in a quick minute. worked hard. You've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301 770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. This time of year, A lot of folks are sitting down and reviewing their financial plans, as well as reviewing their portfolio. If you need help with this, well, give us a call. 
And one of the things I like to remind folks of is to make sure that their wills and their trust are up to date. It's not uncommon for people to get them done and then just kind of put them on a shelf and forget about them. Don't let that be you. Make sure you review them on a regular basis because things change. Life happens. Got to make sure that your trust and your wills are up to date. Besides the wills and the trust, there are some quick and easy, painless things you should be doing. Like make sure your beneficiaries are up to date in the way that you want them. That means things like your IRAs, your life insurance policies, the 401k, those things that allow you to name beneficiaries. Another thing that you might want to consider doing is adding beneficiaries to the accounts that don't usually have them. For example, if you have an individual taxable account and you haven't gotten around to doing a will or a trust, well, you may want to add a TOD or a POD on it. That's a transfer on death or a payable on death designation to those accounts. They're basically the same thing. The reason you would do this is for the person you want to have the money. If you don't have a will directing these assets or if you die intestate, these accounts could end up in probate. And chances are, if you've ever been through the probate process before, it's not a trip that you want to take again. You can add these TOD or POD designations, not just on your brokerage accounts, but you can also do it to your bank accounts too. In my opinion, it's pretty darn cheap and I know cheap. I'm not a lawyer or an accountant, so I'll always tell you to check with the appropriate advisor before you do this. Another thing I'd like to see you think about is a qualified charitable charitable deduction or QDC for short. This is really for the retired folks out there who have to take required minimum distributions, RMDs. If you plan on contributing to a charity before the end of the year and you haven't taken your RMD from your IRA yet, you can designate all or a portion of it, up to $100,000 that is, to one or more charities. Now, why is this a good idea? Well, number one, you don't need to itemize your taxes to get the tax benefit. And number two, if you're planning on donating to a charity, well, why do it with out-of-pocket out money, money that you've already been taxed on, when you can do the same with pre-tax IRA money? It basically saves you money. A QCD is essentially treated as a tax-free distribution, whereas in general, normal IRA RMD distributions are taxable as ordinary income. You do want to make sure that you or your accountant claims this correctly with the IRS. And oh, also the QCD option is only available to traditional IRAs. Just about a thousand, we'll change gears here, just about a thousand miles due north of uh, Cupertino, California is Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's there that Meg Wanzu, I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right, but she sits in the custody of Canadian authorities. You see, she's the CFO and the daughter of the founder of Huawei, the Chinese tech firm 
that's been very controversial over the years. She's there waiting an extradition hearing to the U.S. on charges that they violated the U.S. sanctions on Iran. What does this have to do with the weather in Cupertino? Well, on top of the general market malaise, investors are somewhat concerned that this arrest could lead China to retaliate against the U.S. by banning the sale of all Apple products in China. Now, it is a possibility, but I don't think it's very likely. The current expectation is for Apple, symbol AAPL, to earn about $13.30 for the coming year. And if those expectations are met, then Apple is currently trading just over 12 times next year's earnings. And it also implies that Apple is growing in the mid-teens. The market trades at more like 15 times earnings. So investors are valuing Apple at less than the average company. The question is, do you think Apple is better or worse than the average company in the S&P? I think it's far better and I'd be a buyer at this price. I own it as well as Berkshire and Booking.com. I would strongly suggest that you use this time to upgrade your portfolio. Maybe you've had something in your portfolio that just hasn't worked out as you would hope. Now might be a good time to take the loss and move on and move into a higher quality type company. I've seen it often enough where investors bought something of lesser quality only to see it go down. And then they'll say to themselves, well, when it gets back to the price I bought it at, I'll sell it and I'll, I'll move on. I don't want to take, I don't want to take a loss here. It's called anchoring. They're anchored at the price that they bought it at. In some situations, it may make sense to bank that loss and move on. The sell side is always tough to talk about on the show because the reasons are so different for everyone. So you want to consult with your advisor to see if something like this might make sense for you. That's all we have time for today. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We'll be back next Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.